Witness Docs from Stitcher. A note to our listeners before we get started. This story contains descriptions of assault and sexual violence. Cecilia, I don't know, I think I'm having a panic attack, you know, I I wasn't so scared until now, I was just nervous, but now I'm feeling really scared. <laughs> I don't know if he can come after us for revenge or something. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to be bothering you, but I don't know who else to talk to. I'm sorry, Cecilia, if you can talk to me a little bit, okay? Bye. That was Maria. But she wasn't always this scared. Seven years ago, she was a carefree 22-year-old on her first trip abroad to Italy. And so much has happened to her since then that it's hard to put into words. But I'm going to try. I'm your host, Natasha Del Toro. I'm an investigative journalist, and I've worked on a lot of stories about crime, corruption, and abuses of power. But when I heard this one, there was just something about it that really disturbed me. And I think the reason is because what happened to Maria and the other women that you're about to meet could have easily happened to me. It could happen to any of us. The man Maria's talking about, who she's scared will come after her for revenge, he caused a lot of suffering for a lot of women. And he did it in a very calculated way. He used online tools that the women in this story, that all of us, have learned to trust, whether it's to get a ride or to find a place to stay. But what happens when that trust is broken and you become the victim of a crime? If the police won't help you, where are you supposed to turn? But this is not a story about victims. This is a story about women who fight back. This is Verified. Let's go back to the summer of 2013. Maria was planning a trip to Italy with her friend Miriam. So my name is Maria. I'm Portuguese, I live in Portugal, and I finished my studies in Chinese medicine. I love traveling, I love discovering the world, even though I haven't done it so much yet. I'm Miriam, I'm from Porto. I know Maria since my 10th grade, so we're best friends, and we decided on a whim to go on an interrail. (laughs) They were going to take the train and backpack through Europe. And Maria also invited her childhood friend, Sara, to come along. The summer was winding down, and they were going to make the most of it. In just two days, we decide to go together on this trip, and we are 
very excited. There are so many places we want to discover. Italy was definitely one of our first choices. We are very, very, very excited. We just want to run and scream and sing and it's going to be a huge adventure for sure. As we don't have such a big budget, we look out for couch surfing. Maybe you've heard of couch surfing. Maybe you've even tried it. It's a website and an app for travelers that really relies on the kindness of strangers. It allows you to connect with people and stay in their homes all over the world. And it's free. So here's how it works. First, you have to set up a profile, and then you can start looking for a host, wherever you want to go. These hosts also have their own profiles, so if they have room and both sides agree, then you've found your couch. But it's more than just a free place to stay. Here's how Couchsurfing describes itself in an online ad. I don't like to refer to Couchsurfing as a site, just a website. I prefer to refer to it as a community. (laughs) The reason people like Couchsurfing so much is because you get to hang out with a local. The whole idea sounds very cool to us. We want to go to Venice and we try to find a couch in Venice, but it's August and it's really hard and you could also make a public request. So basically what a public request is, it's a last-ditch effort to find a place to stay. It's like raising your hand and saying, can someone, anyone put me up for the night? And then we receive a reply from a person He's called Leonardo Maglio. Here's the message Maria got back. It's read by an actor. Hi there. My name is Leonardo Maglio. It would be a pleasure to host and or meet you. As you can see from the positive references left from my guests, I'm a nice guy that enjoys the company of others. He writes as a big answer with a lot of information about himself, his house, about the city. I love to eat good Italian food and drink a glass of Italian wine with my guests if possible. If you're interested in the nightlife, Padova is full of university students and young people that like to drink and dance. We check his profile and he says he's a policeman. Um, He has pictures dressed as a policeman. He has a very complete profile, like the most complete we saw until then. And he also has a lot of reviews. So we were very happy because we thought, no, this is perfect. A good time is guaranteed whatever you're liking. Smiley face. Thank you. Un bacio from Padova, Venezia, Italia. They accepted the invitation right away. He had tons of positive reviews, which immediately made them feel comfortable. They were happy to find a place to stay, even if it was a little further out. It wasn't in Venice, it was in Padua, but it was really close by train. And we never even heard about Padua before, but then we looked up some pictures online and it also looked nice. So we were very happy to stay with him. 
By the time their train pulled into the station, Maria and her friends were excited to see Padua and to meet their host, Leonardo. He texts us and he says, meet me at this ice cream shop. It's really close to my place. We go there. We have to wait a little bit for him. So we have a very nice Italian ice cream. Meanwhile, he arrives in his car and he comes out of the car dressed as a cop. That's a bit intimidating, but it was also a good thing because it made us feel safe. He looked normal, I would say, except he was wearing some contacts in his eyes, contact lenses, and they didn't seem natural. They were a weird color like between light brown and yellow. So it, it, it didn't feel natural. When we were talking to him and looking in his eyes, it was a bit weird. It was around midnight by the time Leonardo met up with them. His apartment was only a short walk away, so they grabbed their bags and followed him back to his place. They hung out for a bit, and then they went to bed. The next morning, before they headed out, Leonardo brought them some breakfast. Coffee and bread, cookies, a few things to eat. After that, he drove us to the city center, and we noticed that he was driving very fast. He wasn't respecting the red lights. He would put the music really loud in the car. But we were having a good time. We were like, okay, he's a cop. He, he knows he can do these things. So we were just having fun inside the car. Everyone was singing. I remember this one song, Don't Stop the Party. Leonardo drove Maria, Miriam, and Sara to the city center. He was so proud to show them around Padua. He starts showing us a few buildings and museums, and he told us that he was an art student before, and he knew a lot of things about the history of Padua. We had such a good day with him, and he was so kind to us, and he was fun. He showed us around. He was great, and we liked him very much. Sometimes we wouldn't speak for like 15 minutes, and he would just speak by himself like a real tour guide. I guess because he had so many guests before and he repeated the thing so many times, he it was like a cassette. <laughs> After a day of sightseeing, Leonardo invited them back to his house for dinner. And even better, his Italian mama was cooking. They were getting the authentic Italian experience. This was exactly why they tried couchsurfing in the first place. We had a simple meal. It was past and there was a tomato sauce. Very Italian. <laughs> we noticed that Leonardo isn't very nice to his mother. 
Because for us, she looks so nice and friendly, but he doesn't treat her very well. He, he talks badly to her. He was always very aggressive, like he was offended by everything that she was doing. Sometimes he was even hitting things inside the house. We were also a bit naive at that time. Maybe we should have seen if he's having this behavior with his mother, maybe something is not okay about him. When we got inside the kitchen, the food was already in the plates and the, the, all the glasses were served with wine, red wine. Leonardo tells us that after the meal, he will give us another kind of wine, homemade vino frizzante, it had bubbles. And he says that the other one is very strong, so we will only have a little bit. Actually, at that time, we weren't feeling a lot like drinking wine, but as we got inside the kitchen and it was already served, we didn't feel like saying no. We thought it, it could sound rude. None of them want this drink. But they're in Italy, staying with Leonardo for free, and he'd already poured the wine. They didn't want to offend him. So we, we drank the wine, Sara and I, but Miriam, she really doesn't like it. I'm not a big drinker to begin with. So when I saw the wine, I knew about Italian culture and I didn't want to deny drinking it. So I decided to just put the little cup to my lips and just barely touch it. So that's the extent of what I've drank. Just for him to see that I was trying it, basically. So and I put the cup down and Maria uh, jokingly said, oh, she isn't much of a drinker. And I think she took my cup and finished what I didn't drink. So I stand up from my chair after we finished dinner to start washing the dishes. The moment I stand up, I feel this huge hit in my head, like very, very strong. I, I had never felt something like that before so quickly. I suddenly feel very, very drunk and I, I take a few steps until the, the sink and I feel like I'm almost gonna fall down. I'm feeling a bit worried that I already drank too much and like there's no way back now. For Maria, everything about this night and her whole trip changes in this moment. And I am thinking to myself, should I say something? Should I tell them that I'm feel that I'm feeling like this, but then I just feel embarrassed. So I just kept quiet. I was I, I tried to focus on washing the dishes and standing up properly. To me, it was much more of a slow, um, staggering feeling. It was slowly building up throughout the night. Um, 
Maria was cleaning the dishes and I was drying them off. And after that, Maria was kind of holding on to the sink, and but not in a way that I was getting worried. I just remember her holding her hand on the sink. Um, and then we finished uh, washing the dishes. It's like I was a little bit lost inside and I wasn't sure what I was really doing on the outside. And after that, I, I don't remember leaving the table. It's like time stopped there. After dinner, Maria was struggling to stand up. Her head was swimming, and she didn't know why. She felt like she was watching a movie where things were just happening around her, and she couldn't respond to them. And she wasn't the only one that was numb. They all were. For Maria, Miriam, and Sara, time lost all meaning. All we have is flash memories. Some of them are like looking at a picture. Others are a few seconds of memory, like one second, two seconds, three seconds. Leonardo wanted to take them dancing. Earlier that night, that sounded like fun. But now they were having a hard time even functioning. So they just went along for the ride. And I remember Sarah was putting on a red lipstick and I remember looking at her and she looked ridiculous because she put the lipstick you know, all over. <laughs> she didn't really apply it well. And I looked at her and I thought it was strange. You know, I ne she never really wore much makeup. And when I looked at her, I thought it was comical. And I was trying to fix her so she wouldn't go out like that. There's actually a video of Leonardo driving them to the club that Sara took on her phone. You stay bed you want to drive it slow? No, I'm still doing a video. The quality is bad, but you can see Maria's completely out of it in the back seat. Her face is blank and she can barely talk. She says she doesn't know what's going on. And the next thing they knew, Leonardo was leading them into a throbbing nightclub. I just remember arriving, getting out of the car, and Leonardo handed us uh, some April spritz, and it was with a, I don't know, some kind of berry floating in there. And I, I thought it was strange because I didn't drink much, and I looked at that and I didn't have any <laughs> desire to drink that, and I don't think I did. Being there inside the club, there is um, a fashion show going on, and I remember seeing models walking in front of me in bikini. My whole body is very heavy and I'm not strong enough to keep it up. And then I, I look to my side and I see Sara with a very weird face, like she's totally stoned. And she's laughing at me and asking what's going on. I have another very quick memory of us on a dance floor. 
Miriam was the most coherent of the three. She remembers more than Maria, but it's still just bits and pieces. I don't remember that I was dancing. I had the feeling that I was just awkwardly just standing in the middle of the dance floor and Sarah was beside me. Sarah wanted to buy some cigarettes and a friend of Leonardo came. He wanted to take Sarah to go buy cigarettes. When that happened, Miriam felt a rush of adrenaline that was like a splash of cold water in her face. I just felt very panicked because a stranger was approaching us and wanting to take Sarah somewhere. I just grabbed her arm and said, no way, she's not going anywhere. Of course not, I don't know you. And he was insisting that it would be okay because he is a friend of Leonardo. He was a policeman as well. He showed me his badge. He was mostly talking to Sarah because he realized that she was in a much more vulnerable state. And then he approached me and he said, oh, if she doesn't want to go, do you want to go? And I think this is, (laughs) sorry. In that moment, I felt so afraid for myself that I just let her go. The friend who had flashed his badge drove Zara away. At the same time, Leonardo was trying to round everybody up so that he could take them home. Leonardo realized that Sarah wasn't with us. He was very aggressively asking, where was Sarah? Oh, she went to buy cigarettes with your friend. And he went crazy. And he was yelling at us. Maria then called Sarah's phone. And I think a guy answered because he was speaking in Italian. And then he hung up and he got a text message, I assume with the location. It was in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't anything around, basically. And Sarah just stumbled into our car. And then the friend that took Sarah came to the side where I was sitting. And he opened my door and he asked me for a kiss. And I was like, (laughs) no way. And I shut the door. And that was the last time I saw him. And we drove home. Leonardo kept them out all night. And by the time they got back to his apartment early that morning, Maria could barely walk. So Miriam put her to bed. I laid beside her, and I think everyone just went to sleep. Miriam wasn't able to sleep much. She woke up just a few hours later. I just had that feeling that something was wrong, and I started to approach him. So it was like, oh, um, what was the name of the place we went last night? And I tried to make it lighthearted so he wouldn't feel threatened. And he would share more information. As time went by, I got more and more sure that something did happen, that we were drugged. And I remember going to the balcony that was on the side of the road and just cried hysterically. And he got very mad because he didn't want his neighbors to see me crowd outside. It was around mid-morning on their second day in Padua, Miriam was feeling more alert than she was the night before, but Maria was still very groggy. I tried to talk to Maria, but she was not responsive. You could talk to her and you could see that she was not processing any of the information that you were telling her. 
Maria spent most of the day in bed, fading in and out of consciousness. At some point, Leonardo slipped into the room. I am laying down, and um, Leonardo is laying down next to me. We are not very close to each other. There's a space between our bodies, but we are holding hands in the middle of that space. And at one point, he asks me for a kiss, and I say, no, I, I don't want to do that. And... He comes closer and he he kisses my cheek. It's like I was just there. I wasn't thinking if this was a good or a bad situation. He tells me that I I must kiss him back. And I say I don't want to. But he insists and I don't know why I do that, so... I get closer to him to kiss him on his cheek, but then he turns his head very quickly and I end up giving him a a kiss on his lips. And then I, I, I tell him that I didn't like that and I'm upset. So I turn my body to, to the other side. So I turn my back on him and that's it. Then I don't remember what happened after. After that, I know I slept. Because sometime after, Miriam and Sara came to wake me up and say, let's go have dinner out. And I feel a huge exhaustion. And I feel like I almost cannot move my body, almost cannot speak. And I just tell them that I don't want to go because I need to sleep. And I guess I just fell asleep. So I am alone at the house at this time. And my phone is next to my pillow, so it's next to my head. And it's ringing for a long time. But I am so tired that I cannot even open my eyes. At one point, I can grab my phone and I answer and it's my mom on the other side. That day was my mother's birthday and she knows that I wouldn't forget her birthday. And it was already dinner time and I haven't called her, so she was worried. She had a feeling that something wasn't okay. I had this perception that I wasn't speaking properly, like... My mouth didn't want to move, you know. I was talking like this. I felt it and my mother also heard it from the other side. She said, what's going on with you? You're not speaking properly. This is, this is not okay. It's like you cannot speak. What's going on with you? Where are you? Where's Miriam? Where's Sara? And I, I just hang up the phone. I... I I just tell my mother that I'm really tired and I need to sleep and without thinking twice, I just hung up the phone on her. I cannot even explain this behavior and a part of me knew that I was doing something wrong and the other part just needed to sleep. 
you have to understand something. It was way outside of Maria's character to ever hang up on her mom, especially on her birthday. Maria had been seriously out of it for more than a day. It was clear that something was wrong. I knew facts, I knew some things that happened, but they were not connected to my feelings. At that time, I couldn't think that way. It's like I wasn't very irrational about this whole thing. I was telling my friends that we should have been more careful, we shouldn't have drunk so much. And I was feeling bad because I thought it was our fault. I thought he was so nice and then we screwed everything by getting drunk and out of control. Miriam was the only one who had the feeling that that he did something to us. The only one who seemed to understand what was really going on was Miriam. She thought maybe he'd slip something in their food or drinks. So when they got back from dinner, Miriam decided to search his place for drugs. I remember that I was frustrated because I wanted to have proof. Because knowing Maria, (laughs) she doesn't see any harm in people. She is very kind-hearted. And I know if I didn't have proof that she maybe not believed me. So I think it was mostly for her just to have the proof. The night after they'd all gone to the club, Leonardo went out drinking again. And when he got back to the house later that night, Miriam saw her chance. I waited until he arrived and I saw that he was extremely drunk. He couldn't really almost make it to the bed. He was stumbling throughout the hallway and he just flopped on the bed and he went to sleep right away. And we waited for him to be asleep and I told me, okay, we're just going to search. If we find something, because I'm sure we're drugged and she just followed my lead. So Medium just starts opening everything, drawers, cupboards, looking on shelves and asking me to do the same. I don't even know what I'm looking for, but I just do the same thing. From the living room, we went to the kitchen. Open everything, every cupboard, every drawer. From the kitchen, we went to the bathroom. We checked everything. We didn't find anything. We looked at the wines, and that, I think, is the moment where we took the pictures of the wine. I think I I saw too many mystery movies, maybe, growing up. <laughs> and I felt that that's what I needed to do, just take pictures of the wine because I was sure that's what made us feel bad. And then we tried to search again, and we just didn't find any proof that he had drugs. Even though they didn't find anything suspicious, Miriam was sure that they were drugged. She went to bed, hoping she'd be able to sit Leonardo down and get some answers out of him the next day. But when she woke up, he'd already gone to work, So instead of waiting for him and wasting another day at his house, the group decided to go to Venice, the whole reason they came here in the first place. They didn't want this experience to ruin their entire trip. So we really wanted to go. And we thought, okay, we are leaving him that day. He can't do anything. So in our heads, I think we felt safe not being 
there, so we just went to Venice. I don't remember going to the train station. I don't remember being on the train to Venice. And during the train ride, I had crazy hallucinations whenever I shut my eyes. It's almost like a flash of images. So after Venice, we go back to Padua to pick up our backpacks. And we thought he would be there, but he wasn't. But then we had a train to catch to go to our next destination. And we were already a bit late, so we just left. We grabbed our backpacks and left. After I came back and I was thinking about the whole situation, I was like, how could we have left just like that? without seeing him again, without talking to him again. As we were feeling better, we should have definitely stayed and, I don't know, and confront him, ask him questions. But we just didn't. As they took the train out of Italy, Maria was upset. Almost two days had passed since the dinner, since the night of the club, and she still had so many questions about what happened. In that moment, I thought about calling Leonardo and asking him for some explanations. And I tried to call him. He didn't pick up. Then he sent me a message very nice, like, sweetie, what do you want? Do you need something? And I said, I really want to talk to you. I need to talk to you now. Can you call me? And he, he didn't. We, we never actually talked it was finally starting to sink in that Leonardo was not who he appeared to be. He was dangerous. She knows he forced a kiss on her, but she's not sure what else he did. And she suspects she was drugged. Having someone taking control over your things is bad. Having someone taking control over your body and making you do things that you don't want to do is terrible, but... Having someone taking control of your head and mind, it's, for me, it's the worst. Like, it's your head, your thoughts, your memories, and you can not access them. It's, it's like you're a robot or something, without a conscience, without a will. It's really, really bad. It feels really bad. It feels like you're not a person for a while. You're not a human. And then you think that all of this was caused by someone's attitude, you know. He did this to you and it feels really bad. That bad feeling motivated Maria to keep looking for answers. She wanted to make sure he didn't hurt anyone else. When I came to Portugal, I slept for one day and a half. And then I said to myself, okay, now it's time to take care of this business because it cannot end like that. I need to do something. But Leonardo's trap is set. Maria wasn't the first, and she won't be the last. I saw him pouring white powder, but I, st I still drank the tea. 
Call me stupid. The next chapter is in your feed now. This season of Verified is reported by Alessia Tarantula, Cecilia Onassi, and Giulio Rubino of Irpi, Investigative Reporting Project Italy. It's written and produced by me, Natasha Del Toro, Suzanne Reber, Senior Producer Dan Bloom, Bruce Edwards, Rachel Aronoff, Joey Fishground, and Shreya Nandi. Additional production by Grant Hill. Our editors are Peter Clowney, Gianna Palmer, and Ellen Weiss. Engineering by Casey Holford, Bruce Edwards, and Robin Wise. Our theme and original music are by Allison Leighton Brown. Special thanks to our actor Danilo Ottaviani and also Andrew Haig for our collaboration with Ground Source. We are particularly grateful to the many women who spoke with us, both on and off the microphone, and trusted us to tell their story. Verified is created by Suzanne Reber and executive produced by Suzanne Reber, Ellen Weiss, Peter Clowney, and Chris Bannon. The show is produced by Scripps Washington Bureau in collaboration with Witness Docs, a Stitcher network. There's so much more for you to discover about this story and what's coming up on the show. You can find us on Twitter at VerPod and at VerifiedPod on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can write to us at VerifiedPod at Stitcher.com. If you like the show and believe in this kind of storytelling, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help more people discover Verified. Thanks for listening.